You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Listen, you give yourself to the teaching of the Word of God, obey His commandments, and your life will be fruitful. Jesus Himself said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Don't be stupid, right? Why why have you given your life to Christ in the first place? What, do you got a martyr's complex or something, right? Hey, listen, I know it's not easy being a Christian, and I know there's a cross involved, but, uh, you know, Mama didn't raise no fool, and I want to receive some of that blessing. Whether it's because we're pessimistic or otherwise, it can be easy to focus on the negative rather than the positive. When it comes to the Bible, this can be especially true, particularly when it comes to the warnings to those who refuse to accept Christ. However, as Pastor Mike will encourage you in his message today, some of the greatest blessings come to those who choose Christ. In his study, you'll learn that while we certainly shun prosperity gospel-type teachings, Abiding in the Word is a blessing itself. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 26 as he continues his message, The Sins of the Fathers. Isaac exhibited the same lack of faith and sin. He just couldn't trust God, that God would provide for him during that time of famine, no matter where he was, whether he was in the land of Canaan or in the land, whatever. God was going to provide. God had promised that he would provide for him. Well, sadly, he exhibited the same lack of faith and sin. And throw this into the mix which is just kind of really blows your mind. Notice in verse 2, I don't know if you caught this or not, he said, then the Lord appeared to him. Okay, so this is the first time that God had audibly spoken to Isaac. Could you imagine? You're going through some difficulty, and you fill in the blank. Probably all of you, if given an opportunity, could share something that you're going through right now that troubles you that's causing you to be anxious, maybe a little fearful, right? And you're thinking, uh, you know, I'm going to go down to Egypt to get some relief. You're going to do something that God doesn't want you to do so that you can get the relief. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of that whole process, God audibly speaks to you. Don't you think that that would get your attention, right? Wow, God has spoken to me. This wasn't some impression upon his mind or some or some you know, brother or sister coming to us or, 
you know, and saying, you know, I think I have a word of the Lord for you, which is cool, and God does speak to us in that way sometimes. Or it, it wasn't in the form of his attending a Sunday morning service, and uh, across the pulpit as the message is being delivered, you know, God speaks directly to you. you. You've had those kinds of experiences before, right? It's like the world stands still for a moment, and it's as if, you know, as, as I'm preaching and I'm, I'm using my hands to gesture, to make a point, it seems like my finger is pointing directly to you, right? It's like God's got your number. But that's not it. God audibly spoke to Isaac. How crazy is that, right? And so God appears to him in verse 2, and we read, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. And of course, he's referring to the land of Canaan. Well, first of all, so even after God appears to him, he still goes down to Gerar and stands before King Abimelech of the Philistines. And Gerar, by the way, is the border country on the way to Egypt. He's not actually in Egypt yet. This is on the border country on the way to Egypt. Now, we should, I guess we should probably address the question, try to answer the question for you. Why is Egypt so bad? And why did God prohibit both Abraham as well as his son Isaac from going down to Egypt? Well, remember, in the introduction of our series several months ago now, we've been in this book of the Bible, I had suggested to you that the book of Genesis is full of all of these types and analogies and metaphors and symbols. We've already gone through some of them. And uh, in, uh, as it relates to one of those types, Egypt becomes a type of the world. It represents the world. All of what the world has to offer, Egypt and all of its glory and all of its worship of their false gods and such. So because of that fact that Egypt represents the world, therefore, it cannot be the place of God's blessing. Duh. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. So if Isaac is to be blessed, he must stay in the land of promise. Now, I think that this is so cool. I mean, think about this, right? God is concerned about Isaac, even as God is concerned about you and to me. And God would say to you, just in case you're thinking about bailing out on God, turning your back upon God, and going down to Egypt or going back into the world from whence we've all come since our conversion experience, God would speak to you. He's using me. He uses donkeys, according to the scripture. So why not use me, right? I don't know if I'm any better. You know, to warn you, to encourage you not to do that, right? He's in the business of protecting his people, warning his people, counseling his people. That's what this message is all about. Now notice in God's appearing to Isaac, and, and this is God demonstrating to us and to Isaac his marvelous grace. Notice he didn't say, hey, Isaac, haven't you learned anything from your father's experience? You know, I'm tired of you Jewish patriarchs running off to Egypt at the first sign of trouble. That's not the God I know. 
And certainly that's not the way that God treats any of us. He's so patient with us and so gentle with us and long-suffering with us. Isn't that true? He doesn't beat us over the head. You know, some people have the impression that God's just waiting for us, you know, to get off of the straight and an arrow and head towards Egypt, and he's going to take that big club that he has in our hand, that he has in his hand, and just beat us over the head with it. But that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God that we know. It's not the God that we serve. God showed no sign of impatience with Isaac. He's just simply instructing him, stay in the land and receive my blessing. Even as God would say to you, stay in fellowship with me through my son, Jesus Christ. That's the place of blessing. And I love that about God. He just puts it out there. Even as God is putting it out there for you, you know, throughout the scriptures, there's always the, the, the exhortation. Listen, this is what, this is the occupation that every one of us faces as Christians. You have to choose. God is not going to violate your capacity of choice. God has created us as free moral agents. So what are we going to do with that choice? We are either to choose blessings or cursings. And how many times did God, uh, through his ambassador, like, for example, Moses, and the people were exhorted, this day, choose you either blessings or cursings. God just puts it out there. And man, does he put it out there through this study and the teaching of the word of God. But then notice, God not only warns him and instructs him, but then he reiterates the covenant in verse 4. Let's go back to our text. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all of these lands. And in your seed, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Of course, this this is a reference to uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. It was through his lineage. It was through his line that eventually would come the Messiah, the Savior. And so it is in the study of the word of God. God puts it out there in comparison. You know, he warns us, but then he tells us about the blessings, right? Like, uh, you know, one of, the, one of my favorite psalms is the introductory psalm in Psalm 1, for example. He says, blessed, chapter 1 and verse 1. He says, blessed, or oh, how happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. The result of which is, it's sort of like a formula. There are these wonderful formulas that are recorded for us in the Bible. And if we give ourselves to those formulas and use them, we benefit from them. Okay, that equals what? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Listen, you give yourself to the teaching of the word of God, obey his commandments, and your life will be fruitful. Jesus himself said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Don't be stupid, right? Why why have you given your life to Christ in the first place? What, do you got a martyr's complex or something, right? Hey, listen, I know it's not easy being a Christian, and I know there's a cross involved, but, uh, you know, Mama didn't raise no fool, And I want to receive some of that blessing. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here, but I want my lives to be rich and full. I want to be able to provide for my family and their needs. I want to be able to have a roof over our heads, food on the table, 
clothes on the back. And by the way, God has never really promised us more than that. But that'll suffice. That's good enough for me, you know, where we won't be wanting for things, right? And Christ will, is our sufficiency. Isn't that true? Right? And our lives will be enriched. Our lives will uh, be blessed. So we can use the scriptures to our advantages. We, we obey. We adhere. We give ourselves to the council. And our lives are full and rich and uh, blessed. But anyway, so he reiterates the covenant, even as God in the scriptures reminds us of the blessings that await us, right? As we go through different texts of scripture and books of the Bible, there, there are all of these wonderful promises, right? So in spite of God's graciousness, we're told in verse 6, and remember, this is being all done audibly here, in verse 6, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? After all of what God had just said, you know, in encouraging Isaac, and he still is in the same place. He hasn't moved. Now, isn't it amazing? Unfortunately, this is a part of human nature. Isn't it amazing how we, and notice I include myself in this because I've been guilty of this very same thing, isn't it amazing how we can ignore, forfeit, forget, not appreciate the blessings of God, him speaking to us, and then go on and out to sin? Like, for example, you'll be in a service like this one where God's really making a connection with you. It's like, you know, the wall is just falling, on, you know, the bricks, you've, you just hit a wall, man. And you know that God is speaking to you. And as the word is going forward, man, you're like shaking your head. Wow, that's me. Oh, man, I'm nailed. You know, wow, man, God's got my number. And I'm really going to make that commitment. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. This is the last straw. I was waiting for God to, to just, you know, get me to that, to that place. And then we walk out that back door and we forget what God has spoken to us, right? And, and I think at times we've all been guilty of that very same thing. Certainly Isaac was. But our nature is such that this is possible, even probable. And this is exactly what happened to Isaac. I mean, for the first time, God had spoken to him directly. He should have been elated. But while he is in Gerar, he repeats the sin of Abraham and lies about his wife for his own protection. Notice in verse 7. Let's read verse 7 again. And the men of the place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say, she is my wife. Because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Remember I said uh, when we were talking about Abraham and Sarah, Sarah was the first it girl of her generation back then. Well, I guess, you know, she's already passed on. And now Rebecca becomes the most recent it girl uh, of that time. She must have been really something. I mean, what's going on? I mean, they, they, the guy has to lie about his wife's identity because he's concerned about men seeing her, how beautiful she is, and then killing him to take her as his wife. I mean, how crazy is that? I guess that was the culture that they lived in. You ever stop to think about that? That that was even a probability? 
within that culture, within that uh, society? Anyway, yes, Rebecca is beautiful. And he's worrying whether the men of Gerar might kill him for the sake of his wife. But remember what God had just said in verse 4. There's no excuse. That is as to what God said as to his longevity of life and posterity. God was going to bless him. What does it say there in verse 4? I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all of these lands, and in your seed all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed. He shouldn't have even been concerned about the probability of that happening. Right? Yet he's worrying whether God would be able to preserve him. That whether or not God would have the juice to preserve him. Now, isn't that strange? I mean, think about who Isaac was. Isaac was someone who was brought up in the equivalent of a Christian family. And I'm sure that he had been taught by his father Abraham about God creating the physical universe and everything that was contained within it. I mean, that, that was quite a, an accomplishment by God. You know, all of the many facets of life that God had created, not only created them, but then sustaining them. I mean, that's no you know, small occupation, right? And then how about the flood? I'm sure that his father Abraham uh, gave him all of the information as it relates to the days of Noah and how that the sins of the people came up before God as a remembrance and, and uh, it was the stench of their sins and God remembered them and he judged the earth and he only uh, uh, provided for Noah and his family to enter into that ark and he judged the earth and then he, be, he started all over again. And I'm sure Isaac had that uh, knowledge as, as well. And then how about the miracle of his own conception? When his father Abraham was, how old was he when, he, when uh, Sarah conceived? Was he 100? 100 years old. And Sarah, his wife, was what, like 80, right? 80 or 85 years old. It was an absolute impossibility. They had passed their prime, right? She had already gone through menopause. And, and of course, he wasn't able to uh, conceive. Anyway, I don't want to embarrass anyone. But, you know, how human-like. Trouble comes. We fear for our safety. We fear for our provision. And often sin because of that fear. Okay, so let's bring this down to personal terms. So let me ask you a question. What about you? What about me? What about us? How do we react to life's troubles? Well, what we should do is just stay put. Don't go down to Egypt. Don't turn anywhere else but to God. Put your trust completely and fully in God. Peter, in 1 Peter, in chapter 5 and verse 7, serves up some uh, wonderful encouragement. He says, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. And that's one of the privileges that we have as a child of God. That's one of the perks of being... God's kid, the king of kings, kid, right? And uh, that's just one of the blessings. And just so slip it on over to him. Cast all of your care, all of your burden upon him because he cares for you. Now, there's something else that I want to draw your attention to here that I think is significant. Notice that it was not God who exposed Isaac's sin. In verse 8, let's go back to our text. Now, it came to pass... When he had been there a long time, 
that is Isaac, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. And I don't know exactly what they were doing. They're probably snuggling, you know, how we get with our wives and, and uh, you know, holding hands and, and cuddling, kisses on the cheek or on the, on the lips or whatever. And uh, King Abimelech, was present on this one particular occasion. He said, these guys are not brothers and sisters, by the way, that they're acting. And, uh, so, uh, and so he came to that kind of a, a, a conclusion. So I find it extremely interesting that it was not God who exposed Isaac's sin. But now Isaac is busted. You know, the Bible tells us that your sin will find you out. And how true that is. And by the way, that was, uh, that was the instruction that was given to the tribes of Gad and Reuben by Moses. Remember, just prior to them crossing over the Jordan River to enter into the land of Canaan for the first time, Gad and Reuben, they were, they were uh, herdsmen. And on the other side of the Jordan River, it was fertile land, and it would have been more appropriate for them to settle there, those two tribes, because of their flocks and their cattle and their sheep and their goats and so on. So they requested of Moses, hey, listen, Moses, we would love to inherit this portion of land on the other side of the Jordan. So Moses' counsel was, okay, well, listen, you know, I'm in absolute agreement, but it's not right for you not to go over to the Jordan and fight against the inhabitants of the land of Canaan with the other ten tribes, okay, and you be absent. So here's what you need to do. Cross over the Jordan with us, with your brothers, uh, engage in those battles, and after we defeat the Canaanites, after the fact, then you can go cross back over the Jordan and you can inherit that land. That portion of land will be uh, given over to you. But then Moses went on, was very careful to say, but listen, if you don't do that, if you don't cross over with your brethren and fight against the inhabitants of the land of Canaan, listen, buddy, your sin will find you out. In other words, God is going to judge you. You'll pay the consequences for breaking that oath, that commitment that you've just uh, made. But it's so very, very true. Listen, you cannot hide your sin. Your sin will find you out one way or another. It, it might not even be God's doing. In this case, it wasn't. But listen, if you're disobeying God, don't think it will take God to expose it. He may, sometimes he does, but if he doesn't, eventually the world will find out about it anyway. You may feel as if you're really good about hiding your sin, but your sin will find you out one way or the other. Because you know what? The effects of sin, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. You've been listening to Pastor Mike Fenizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. 
We have so much available to you there, including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for daily doses of the word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my Father's house with you. 